Welcome to the Tips in Salsa podcast, your local source for chips, salsa, and instructional technology happenings within the Redlands Unified School District. And here are your hosts, Jamie Quartz, Dwayne Coles, Nicole House, Caleb Rothy, and Jen Vadney. Hello, Redlands teachers and staff. We're back with another edition of Tips in Salsa. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm here with our amazing tech coaches, Nicole. Hello. Caleb. Hello. And Jen. Hey. So joining us today to talk about an amazing student project that we think you'll all want to hear about is our very own Terrence Davis from Clement Middle School. Terrence, thank you for joining us. (laughs) Glad to be here. All right, so before we get started today, as all of our listeners know, we always like to enjoy a little bit of chips and salsa with each one of these episodes. So what we want to do is a quick around the horn so everybody can share what they're snacking on today. What do you have for chips? What do you have uh, for salsa? So let's go ahead and kick this thing off. Oh, and if you're listening, now is a great time to pause, grab your own snack, and then once you've got all of your materials ready, uh, you can come back and uh, and resume this thing. So let's start with Nicole. Nicole, what are you snacking on today? All right. I have the traditional um, Tostitos chips. I like the cantina style. They're nice and thin and crispy. But this is a new salsa for our household. It's called Texas, Texas. It's roasted addiction. And my husband found it at Stater Brothers. Nothing fancy, but it's a new favorite. So we are enjoying this one during quarantine. Nice. Jen, what do you have today? Um, I am also using, um, eating Tostitos, hint of lime, because my husband doesn't like it. So I usually don't buy them for the house, but I'm buying it for me because of the podcast. Um, we like Texas, Texas. We usually get the ghost salsa, uh, but I am not eating that. I am having garden style, full circle salsa, and it's mild and just tasty with my lime chip. Jamie, how about you? So I have late July organic barbecue snacks. And isn't that expired? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it says best use before July 10th, 2021. So I think we're good. (laughs) It is the laid back edition, though. So it's thin and crispy potato chips laid back edition. Uh, Good for the weekend. Very interesting. We're chilling tonight. (laughs) Nice. Terrence, what do you have today? I have the on-the-border chips. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. And then the salsa my wife bought from Trader Joe's. Place about tomatillo. Oh, the tomatillo. But a bunch of other stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that Can't stuff go is around tasty. Trader Joe's. Yeah. And uh, today I'm enjoying some homemade salsa. We made a fresh batch recently, so mm. I've got some of that. And then I've got uh, Kirkland Signature tortilla chips because... I love them. Costco. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So Terrence, before we get started, um, would you mind just kind of introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about your background and how you got started in this whole thing? Sure. Um, and so I actually started learning a trade when I was in high school. I started working in mechanical. I mean, I was running tools back and forth to guys saying, what's, what kind of wrench? Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so I started with that and I kind of kept going with it through high school and through college too. So I worked full time, um, bought my house when I was 20, That's where we live now, just from saving up from bowing a trade. And uh, I started kind of working my way up. And uh, the point that I kind of figured I'd like to be a teacher was I started training employees. 
I had people that I worked with across Southern California, you know, except for at 2008. But um, I really liked training. So that's kind of when I, I started looking at uh, Cry Rock and seeing what they did. And I was like, oh, you know, industry experience, I have that. You know, I have all this stuff. It'd be cool. I want to teach. And so I actually started working in the, the ROP office. And a couple teaching positions came up, the one for Redlands High School. And uh, so I ended up getting the, the manufacturing teaching position over there. And I loved it. I was just like, this is everything that I like. <laughs> so it could be artistic. We could be mechanical. So we do all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, but yeah, that's how I got into teaching. That was a that was an old workshop. This is what I love about this podcast is we get to meet people like you, Terrence. Yeah. Like I'm like, yeah. This is the greatest guy ever. I want to be in <laughs> class. And I would every- definitely say you're in your dream job. Heck yeah, oh, yeah definitely. Yeah. I mean, that definitely. seems like everything perfect for you. So awesome. And, and for yeah. middle school kids, you, I mean, this is perfect <laughs> for middle school kids. Perfect segue. Yeah. You were working at CryRop, I think at RHS. Yep. Is that what you said? And now you're over at Clement, which is a middle school. Um, tell us about that jump and what you're doing there. Um, so one of the main reasons why I jumped when Clement offered this position was because I, I started teaching ninth graders <laughs> at, uh, at RHS. And I went, wow, oh, there's a big gap here. I mean, because just... Being able to problem solve was really difficult, and I kind of I kept just obsessing over that because that's what I do. Like, uh, there's a problem, and I obsess over it, <laughs> and it's probably why I'm tired. But um, so I kind of saw that, and I went, "Man, you know what? This would be so much better in the middle school. That's when they're going to get interested in it. By high school, they're they they're already too cool <laughs> for it. Middle school, I feel like even." even over the distance learning stuff, um, the ideas that the kids have and that they come up with are, are there, especially the difference between the beginning of the class to the end of the class, even though it's just a quarter long, it's a, it's a huge difference. So my whole deal was, man, I don't want to give the high schools kids that can't do this stuff. So I want to get into middle school so that when they go into those classes, they can be successful. Because it could be something that a kid's really interested in, but just doesn't feel like they're smart that i've ran into that a lot like you're smart enough you just don't know it yet <laughs> you know everybody's smart enough just need to have the the realization there i was gonna say so if someone walked into your classroom right now what would it look like what what would they see <laughs> okay so for example, well if there were kids what what would be in there what machines what tools and then what would kids be doing 3d printers so my my plan for the class Obviously, I haven't really been in there, but my plan for the class is to have it kind of segmented in sections. So we're connected to the to Mike Catrick's class, the Garner Holt lab there. My class is directly connected to his. There's a door that separates us. Um, so our big, our big talk has been those doors don't close. <laughs> Keep them open and have that walkthrough of Garner, the kids in the Garner Holt lab and the kids in my class working together on projects. My kids are going to be learning a lot of woodworking. They'll be learning metalworking. I want to have the whole class kind of segmented. So I want to have a section that's just all electronics, Arduinos, Raspberry Pis. Um, I want to have kids doing digital design in another area of the class, another area I want to be cutting metal, producing 
parts for their products and metal. Um, that kind of leads up to that that project that we're doing. You know, I want to have assistive devices going across our district. I saw, I think it was Michigan, Michigan Tech University does a, an open source lab at their at their university. And the guy who runs it, I can't remember his name, I'm sorry, but it's really awesome. They build their, they have their prototyping lab, they build all of their scientific equipment. It saves the university millions being able to have the engineering kids design a lot of that equipment. Yeah. So why, why couldn't we do that? Obviously, Wagner Middle School is designing scientific equipment, but we could do aids for the science, visual aids for science. We could do things to help kids that are having trouble writing, kids that have trouble holding a pen. Um, I had a student today that was doing She's making one for, for her mom. And so we broke out Play-Doh and uh, this is how you do it. You know, wrap the Play-Doh around your the, the pen, have your mom hold it, pull the Play-Doh off and see what that shape is. And that's what we're going to do, produce it. That is awesome. I love your attitude. Like you said, you saw this at another school, a university even, and thought, why can't we do this? We have heard about some of your awesome projects that you've been working on. And that's one of the biggest reasons that we wanted to reach out to you. Um, Wes Cullen, your administrator, has been just raving about their projects that you're doing. (laughs) And he told us a little bit about um, a website that you had the students visit to kind of come up with the ideas for creating these custom products. Um, And then kind of having them, sounds like they did maybe a prototype first and then something like that. Can you give us a little more background on that? Um, We want to hear all about it from the start to the end. What exactly the process was with this? Because this is intriguing. (laughs) Um, So I was really just trying to find a good project for distance learning. One that would, I'd have, especially my first, the first quarter at Clement, I would have kids that seemed like they wouldn't understand other kids. It just felt like there was a lack of empathy. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of all started with uh, empathy is the basis of all design, all product design. Yeah. You need to know what people want to be able to give them what they want. And so I kind of thought, well, this would be perfect if I could incorporate a large amount of empathy into a project while they're still learning industry standard tools, but also developing that empathy and understanding and caring for your fellow human beings. And so I stumbled across it, honestly. And I was like, this looks really cool. So I've done it a little bit different every quarter because I, I adapt it every time. And uh, and so, yeah, they go on the website. They have an option. It's called the Makeable Challenge. And they, they have users that put up videos. Of, they're talking about their disability and things like that. And the kids can use those if they don't know anybody. But I encourage all the kids to design something for someone they know because you can interview that person, you can get feedback. And so a lot of them do like a, a parent or a sibling or a friend, or things like that. And then um, we also go on the forum. And the forum's really cool where the people can go on there and request products. And so you can go on, if you're a professional, you can go in and review products that are being developed. Uh, if, you're, if you're a kid looking for a project to do, you can go through and see which ones people actually need. Uh, so the, the whole point is to increase accessibility. So we're not necessarily printing them and giving them to those people, but I encourage the kids to go on with it, to sign in with, log in with their parents. Mm-hmm. I don't have it approved for them to log in on their own. But, and then, so it goes into a repository, those, those designs. And so anybody that 
need something like that can either print it themselves if they have a 3D printer. It's all geared towards 3D printing. Okay. Um, you can ship out to a company like Shapeways, who you give them your file and they produce a 3D model and send it to you. Mm. It's, it's pretty cheap. Comparing the cost of ordering a 3D print to the cost of having a custom designed assisted sure. technology device manufactured is huge. What was, so, the, what was the website again that you went to for the projects? Make the makeable challenge. Make mm-hmm. able. Make, make colon able. Challenge. Got it. Cool. Yeah. And so it's really cool. The kids can go on there and, and get ideas. And then uh, I encourage them to, to post their designs mm-hmm. their, with their parents. And that just increases accessibility. Gives the kids more understanding of what other people need. What needs are different. And they learn how to think like an engineer, <laughs> how, to, how to solve problems. Right before you said the word empathy, I was grabbing my paper and a pen to write down that word because I wanted, because that's what you were describing. That was in my head. And I didn't want to forget that word when I had the chance to come in and, and talk with you. So like, um, I love it for that reason. Kids are dealing with design thinking, empathy, thinking, being, you know, standing in someone else's shoes, and then the process of iteration. Like the first time you do something, it's not going to be your final. Um, kids don't like to do a rough draft with writing, but they're more likely to do a rough draft and an iteration of a, a project like this because they are making it for someone close to them, a mom, an aunt, a neighbor, that sort of thing. And then they start learning like, oh, wow, I can always adapt. I can always make this better. But until you start that first that first prototype, you may not realize that process. Yeah, exactly. That's what makes it hard with like the distance learning. And a quarter-long class is, you know, you figure 130 kids. I have one printer. <laughs> we do what we can. And that's what I tell the kids. We make the best out of what we got and we do what we can. How do you think the concept of empathy and building something for a purpose or, or for, you know, this for people or for a good purpose affected like the motivation for your kids. What's mm-hmm. huge. It's huge. My first quarter, I had them kind of doing stuff how I learned. It's like, let's make, you know, okay, make this part, make this part. And they were doing really well with it, but they were just kind of like, what's the point? Well, let's do something different. Let's, let's give it design with a purpose. And it worked really well. The kids came up with awesome ideas and they just kind of ran with it. I have a student right now that I'm, I'm doing that that project, finishing up the quarter with my classes. And I have a student from last quarter that's coming into SST to do it again. <laughs> she wants to make another one, so make something else. Yeah. got kids that are doing multiples. They're doing two or three of them. It gives you something to design for. I think you're tapping into something that is so universal for all of us in education, which is when students don't understand the context of why they're doing something, why they're performing something, why they're learning something, it, it means very little to them and you get very little buy-in. And as soon as you can reorient it towards here's why, here's our motivation uh, and give them that context, it doesn't matter whether it's in uh, you know a, a manufacturing class or whether it's in an English class, as soon as you give that context and tap into something that motivates the student, that creates the spark for so many. So I love that you found a way to do that in a realm where 
I think most of us would assume it's hard to make that connection sometimes. So bravo to you. And I think we can use this as inspiration for whatever we're teaching. Absolutely. Um, To kind of piggyback off what you're saying, Caleb, you presented a why, but you let them find their own why. And so that's another piece to this. If you just present one situation that's close to you, but they don't buy into it, forget it. Um, But you allowed them to have choice in what they created and designed. And as a result of that, you have students, you know, coming back and doing one, two or three projects. So um, yeah, the context and then feeling comfortable enough to let kids go down their own path. That's not an always a decision, uh, easy decision to make, but it it can um, reap dividends in the end. Definitely. Uh, That's how my classes usually are. It, you walk in, it looks like chaos. And so you start looking at <laughs> yeah, all these kids doing all different kinds of things. And, uh, but there's always a purpose to what they're doing. What are some of the coolest designs that were eventually created? Well, I got somebody doing a, a cast, like a 3D printed cast right now. And so you know, they don't have great measuring tools for that. So we're basing it off of my hands. So I showed them how to, how to measure using using calipers and inches and millimeters. Terrence, can you talk about that one right there? So that one's really cool. For like a grabber for like a wheelchair so you can reach down and grab. It also comes apart easily. I thought that was really cool for someone to not have, it's not really to have an exact way of measuring it, but they were still able to make it. So it snaps together, and unsnaps at the same time. Terrence, can you describe a little bit for everybody that's listening to this right now, what this object is, um, how it would be, be used by somebody and, and a little bit like kind of paint a picture for us. Sure. So, uh, so it's basically like a, like a hook. If you think of one of those long grabbers, but it's just got a hook on the end. So one of the users in that makeable challenge uh, wanted something that would be easier to just reach over on the side of his wheel of his wheelchair and be able to kind of scoop something up. So this was something that was small enough. He can stick his, just his finger in it. So it's got a hole on the end, of, two holes on the end of it. He can just kind of stick his finger in there and reach down and hook onto whatever he needs to hook onto without having to try to bend over. I don't remember what the disability was, but uh, whatever it was didn't allow him to do that. Then also having mobility in their hands too. It looks together, like, like an old-fashioned key but very futuristic where it comes apart, but it's about that size, right? That, that old skeleton look to it. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've had kids try try to design stuff for like video games too. So to make it easier. Um, And I use those actually. One of the examples (laughs) I give to my students for my, I have a grip for my Nintendo switch that makes it easier because I've been working with my hands for a lot of years. So (laughs) If I want to play a game, it's easier if I got something to hold on to. I'm thinking that if maybe you can snap pictures of everything that you've shown us in the Zoom and we can put it on a Google Doc and link it to show notes. Sure. I'll I'll take screenshots of some of their their 3D models. I think everybody'd love to see some of these things that uh, the students have been coming up with. So. Terrence, I have a question for you. You've mentioned 3D printing a lot in here, and I know some of our listeners will be familiar with that, and and some may not be um, with what kind of material that ends up being. So I'm wondering, what are the materials that are used to make these things? And then also, are you doing anything, are the students coming up with anything beyond the 3D printers right now that are incorporating other materials that you couldn't 3D print? Okay, yeah. So most of of the plastic that we use 
for for my stuff, we use PLA plastic, so it's vegetable based. That's most of what we use because it's it's a good starter material for the kids. Uh, it's easy to paint things like that. They want to do any finish, but we do have access. Like I have access to polycarbonate materials and a little bit of like kind of a rubber material, so it's a flexible called TPU for uh, for three D printing. That's mainly what I'm gearing mine towards. I'm not gearing towards other materials. Not over distance learning. In person, we'll branch out into everything. But I do have kids that are designing for things to be 3D printed, and then they're going to do additional work. So I have a student that's doing a, like a hand rest for her dad because he's working on the computer so much. And so she said, well, but that would be really uncomfortable with plastic. Okay, well, let's figure this out. Let's do, let's do a nice stylized casing that's ergonomically correct. So let's do some research on ergonomics how what the proper way is for your hands to sit so we can do indentations in it. I was like, then all you need to do is get some foam and we'll do the foam on it. And so trying to do the, the, you know, kind of the best we can with things that they might have around the house too. We'll see how that goes. I've asked some to give me some pictures when they do it, but they haven't. So I don't know if they ever actually did it or not. It's the idea that matters though. It's the seeing a problem and then developing an original solution. I love it. It's awesome. No regurgitating. <laughs> you, you mentioned the idea of having the door between you and the Garner Holt classroom open at all times. Have you and Michael, the Garner Holt teacher, talked a little bit about things that you can uh, partner up on or work together on? Oh, yeah, definitely. I still don't have a complete understanding of it because I haven't been there. I haven't seen him teach. Um, but we have been talking a lot. We've thrown out a lot of ideas together. We plan on collaborating a lot in our classes they go hand in hand um like garner holt's studio that is my disneyland i love it go through the shop and i'm like oh you know water jet yes <laughs> you know different things and uh you know they've got all the cnc machines but then you've got all the all of the, the the kind of background stuff there too and i feel like that's a lot of like what mike's class is is the doing the the coding for the animation of the, the animatronics and things like that um, but there's a lot of parts involved in that too that we can build. And so at some point, I would, I'd love like to have the kids build all animatronics, like our own animatronics. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. <laughs> I actually have an example that I plan on bringing in that was from Garner Hole. I was a kid. We did uh, a, uh, a haunted house. And so he helped us build a, a wolf that jumps out of shutters. So we still have it in storage. It's a little worse for wear, but I want to restore it and get it hung up in the classroom. Really Where cool. Where was that at? Uh, Our Lady of the Assumption. Nice. That is such a cool connection. Yeah. I have a feeling your class is really popular. You must have a long waiting list for your... <laughs> <laughs> That's your the goal. Class. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. The quarter long is really weird. It's like I went from... The high school where it's like, you know, college articulated, two-year program to order. Yeah. <laughs> and there's so much to teach. So you know, like, you, like you mentioned, the <laughs> parents, for middle school kids, they're so impressionable. All it takes is like something that you don't even realize that you're, you're baking an impression on their minds and what they like and what they feel they're good at. What you're doing just changes lives. It's, it's, it's really fun to hear. I hope so. <laughs> Parents, prior to your coming into this space, it used to be a wood shop. 
did any part of the old wood shop make oh, its way yeah. to the new place? Yeah, we have. Okay. I've kept almost all of the everything that was able to be kept, I kept. Wood is awesome for beginners, for, for kids to work. It's easy, it's less dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm so happy to hear that. I, I, yeah. I really am. I Growing up, this was a long time ago in Massachusetts, in, in middle school, I had a shop class and we built small houses. Uh, and it was, it, it was so much fun. So um, I, I know that Clement's Woodshop was like the last woodshop program in Redlands. And to hear that you're keeping that alive in context of a bigger picture is really fabulous. Yeah, it's more of expanding what the what the shop is doing. There's still going to be woodworking in there. We'll still do a lot of woodworking, but we'll also incorporate materials, aluminum working. At some point, I'd like to get some sheet metal stuff in. Wow. So, Terrence, my mind is kind of blown on this because what you describe sounds awesome, and I can picture it with students in person in your room every day, and you showing them some things, and you know them bringing a design to you, and you checking that out and going, "Ah, I think that's all." How are you doing this over distance learning? How are you doing this without sharing a space with students? How can you have a like a manufacturing style lab when everybody's at home? Tell us how's this working. Well, with that, we're focusing mainly on the design aspect of it. Uh, but the way that we get that same, you know, a student coming to me and about a design and asking, you know, will this work? Uh, we still do that. So we use a 3D modeling program called OnShape. It allows, it kind of works like a Google Doc where we can share documents. I can share a document between me and a student. We can work collaboratively on the design. They can share documents together collaboratively that way. I can select a certain part of a model and leave a comment on it and say, hey, this feature here, you know, the radius is a little too big here. Drop it down to, you know, a quarter of an inch instead of a half an inch. And so the kids can go in and make their edits that way, which is pretty cool. What an amazing time for us to live in. I mean, just is there any other era where this would have been possible in a traditional wood shop like Jen was talking about? I mean, you'd be you'd be stuck. But now that students are able to model on a device at home and share those designs with you, just this is so cool that you're able to pull this yeah. off. I'll even have students working on still work on stuff over the weekend. And that's my goal. I don't do I don't do homework. Never have. Never will. I like it in class because that way if there's questions, you can ask your questions. Uh, but I'll have kids send me stuff on the weekend that they're working on. It's not even part of the class. It's just, hey, I'm working on this model. That's what I like. That's what I'm going for. I want you to not feel like it's work because I don't feel like it's work. I love doing it. I do it on my own time. I do custom design work on, on the side when it comes in. So to, to have the kids doing that is really cool. So I actually, you can download it on your, the program on your phone, 3D model on your phone with it on an iPad, any device that has internet. And so I'll be, I'll be out and around on the weekend or something, you know, at the grocery store or something. But I can open it up on my phone and I can give them, you know, comments on it. And stuff. Yeah. It's, fun, it's funny because the one class that they're not assigned homework in is probably the one that they probably want to spend hours and hours and hours. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think so. But they seem to enjoy it. That's what matters. Well don't be surprised if we show up one day in your in your classroom when we're all back in person. Um, I mean, I we've all been into the Gardner Holt Lab, but um, 
I'd love to see all of this with kids in action and just, you know, see them doing something that they're enjoying and loving and learning from still. So we may just be knocking on your door someday. (laughs) (laughs) That's perfectly fine. I love visiting. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) I like it when people can see what the kids are doing. Sometimes it looks completely different from, from other classes, the different environment. Yeah, for sure. For sure. This is a very unique situation that you have. And so, again, it sounds like you are the perfect person for the job. This would be a dream job for you to be able to train and do what you enjoy and, you know, be able to work with kids, like you said, that are still ready and, and, you know, impressionable and willing to try something new. Um, So, I, I mean, it's awesome. And I'm sure that the teachers at the high schools now that are doing these types of positions are grateful that they're coming with a little more experience. <laughs> I think they will be. And I talk about the high school classes a lot. too. So I noticed that a lot at RHS will be like, Oh, I didn't even know this class was here. Yeah. And, uh, and so I talked about them with like Mr. Bartlett and uh, kind of, uh, Mr. Kalupa over at Rev. Yeah, I try to get those, those teachers out there and be like, take their classes, take their yeah. classes. If you like this, take their classes. That's a nice connection, you know, you know, feeding the middle schools to the high school cry rock courses. Maybe those students in those classes can come and visit your lab and, and building relationships or um, partnership there or having those teachers come super busy all the time but just saying you know name with a face if you want to do this in high school for longer than a quarter yeah i think it'd be great to do like a mentorship program with with one of the with one of the high schools i wanted to do that while i was at the high school but yeah so i I would love to do that we did that one time at the high school where we had the franklin kids come in and i had got them into groups with some of my advanced kids and uh we did a project together that was a lot of fun so Terrence, you mentioned that your class is a quarter long. Students have you for you know one of their four quarters. Um, what do you see is what do you see as being next for this kind of project? Where where do you plan to take this kind of thing in the future? Well, for this project, I would love to kind of branch away from kind of the website, the makeable website. I want to get it out so that teachers, specifically special education teachers, can put in requests. And then, so the kids get real jobs. They can kind of pick the one that they want to, that they want to go for and um, produce that product. You know, who's the teacher? What's the room number? Who's the student? If we need to go, like, we can try to do, like, a, an interview with them and see what exactly they need and have the kids really get that feedback from, from real students that they can hopefully impact. And then we can deliver out those, that assistive technology to classes in our district. Man, that sounds amazing. Like an actual practical project that is going to be used by a real, you know, another student or somebody else within the district um, and actually making this and knowing that it's going to make a difference for somebody else that's within your community. That is so awesome. Um, And I can't wait to hear how that goes in the future once you're able to kind of iterate on this idea and on this project and, and continue to roll things like that out. You know what we should do, Terrence, is we should do like this, um, a shark tank kind of competition for, for Clement. And um, maybe if, we, you know, the winner can win something or, or something, but we should, you know, it would make it even, it would up the ante. I mean, they're doing something real in the first place, but then they have to present it. And um, 
you know, maybe we get a prototype going or something. I think that'd be really cool. Uh, I've even floated with the idea of doing a maker. So they have like a maker challenges where you actually get teams of, of kids and, and professionals together um, with people that, that come in that have a disability and want something solved. And you have like 48 hours to come up with an idea, like a prop full prototype for it. Like, I would love to do something like in the district yeah. with that to, you know, have the like steam shops and stuff in there. I think that'd be really cool. That sounds amazing. Do it as a club or something. I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it's, it's not just, it's not regurgitating information. You're having to come up with your own ideas, to solve the problems yourself. I'm just facilitating in those instances. Mm -hmm. right, so you're, so gui you're guiding the design. I'll help you with what you need help with. You're guiding the design. There are so many life lessons you learn going through that that process. Even if you're not going to do this, and you know, like even if this isn't your career pathway, just that idea of here's a problem that needs to be solved, and we need you to invent it. You have to create it from scratch. So you've got to ask the right questions. You've got to come up with a right scenario. You've got to fail with your solution and then iterate and improve. I, I love it, Terrence. I can't say enough great stuff about this opportunity for kids. Yep. Real-time collaboration, real-time feedback, like listening to someone critique your, your design in a way that, you know, they might be bringing up a part that's not working for the person it's designed for. And yeah. the student may not have seen that and another set of eyes sees it and then they're working on it. It's like, okay, yes, now I need to fix this part of the design to help with that end goal. I was not thinking of that originally. Yeah, it, it, the iteration. That's what makes the quarter long hard is the iteration. Mm -hmm. You can only do so many iterations in a nine weeks. <laughs> Especially when they're learning all of it at the same time. Well, I think now we know why Mr. Colin was so proud and excited to share all of this with <laughs> us um, because this is amazing. I, I, I've learned so much and um, now have a better visual in my mind of what you're doing and what's going on in the class and how these projects are being done. Because um, like Caleb said earlier, it was like, how is this happening all through distance learning? Like, what is going on here? Give me more information. I can't figure this out. So we are so glad that you were here with us today, Terrence. This has been awesome. Um, the projects sound amazing. And I, I'm sure that the kids feel the excitement that you share for this as well. So um, thank you and, and kudos to you for doing it. Sounds amazing. Thank you very much. Well, I think that's the end of our formal questions for Terrence today. So I think it's time to transition into the less formal portion. I don't know if Terrence knows about this. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We have a lightning yeah, round at the end of every podcast. And our guest is in the hot seat for the lightning round. Which means um, we put 60 seconds on the clock and we ask you... Question after question after question for 60 seconds. They're rapid fire, yeah. no thinking questions, just responding. First thing that comes to mind, that's what we want to hear. All right, Terrence, are you ready for the lightning round? Yep. All right, I've got 60 seconds up on the clock. Jenna, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. On your mark, get set, go. Mild, medium, or hot salsa? Hot. What is your go-to tool in your toolbox? Caliber. <laughs> Favorite Always. material to work with? 
aluminum. Are you binge watching anything these days? Nothing new. Gilmore <laughs> uh, <laughs> <Do> Girls. Don't <laughs> <laughs> oh Name three blue items. Oh, jeans, my hat, my sweater. Sweet. On a scale of one to ten, how would you rate jelly beans? Seven. <gasps> nice. Do you like black jelly beans? The licorice flavor? Oh. <laughs> would you ever skydive? Absolutely not. <laughs> Dog sure. person or cat person? Dog? I have both. Oh, okay. Perfect. Which do you prefer? Reading a physical book, reading a digital book, or listening to a book? Physical. Ah. All right. That's oh. it. Time is up. Nicely done. Nicely done, Terrence. And we learned a little bit. We learned even more, I should say. <laughs> you tricked me. You tricked me on the skydive. I thought that was going to be an absolutely, absolutely not. I'm just disappointed by the going down. Jamie. It's not going to be by jumping out of a plane. <laughs> <laughs> not, not voluntarily. Well, that's a wrap, folks. As we've learned to adapt to all of the challenges that this COVID pandemic has brought us, it can't be understated the need for positive human connections, not only for the kids, but even for ourselves. So on behalf of the entire department, we want to thank you, Terrence, and all the RUSD staff out there going the extra mile for our kids every day. Thanks again for joining us, and perhaps next time we will see you on our award-winning podcast. This is RUSD EdTech. Signing off! <laughs> you know, Caleb, I don't know if we have many bloopers. No, I don't think we do on this episode. It's going to be light. I can give you one right now. A I'm sure you will. Signing <laughs> 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 off. I don't know. <laughs> there you go. Give that cue. Blooper. I actually had to teach her hop into office hours today. I was like, I have a dog on my screen. How do I get rid of this dog? <laughs> Look, I was trying to get Jane to work out last night. And I pulled it up and there's the Kelvin dog on there. Tell me what. Okay, there we go. Oh, wait, I'm not smiling. <laughs> I was talking. All right, ready? One, two, three. <laughs>